welcome to Focused on Life, where we'll be laser focused on all things that have to do with defending human dignity, human rights, and yes, human life at every stage and phase of development. I am your host, Uju. And I am your other host, Matt. And we are thrilled to be here today. Hello, Matt. Hi, Uju. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, Matt, but I just want to know one thing. Are you focused on life? <laughs> I am always <laughs> focused on life. It's, uh, are you focused yeah. on life, Uju? That's the question. Matt, I'm very focused on life. And today, in addition to being focused on life, I think we're going to be laser focused on the education of children and all things that have to do with the dignity of children, especially uh, in the area of sexual morality and sexuality. So I'm looking forward to this episode today because you're going to tell us what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, well, I mean, you did mention we're going to be focused on education. So I guess the question that some of our listeners may have is what does education have to do with abortion? Right. And while we did talk about earlier on in our, maybe our first or second episode that yes, this is uh, a a podcast where we are laser focused on the right to life. But as most people know who have been involved in the pro-life movement, you will know that, all these issues, all these other issues, everything is so connected. It's not Absolutely. just about abortion. Uh, it's about um, these new things that we will be talking about as well. Comprehensive sexuality education is one of those. Sexual mm. orientation and gender identity is another term. Uh, mm. You know, we, we, we've we mentioned, I know in Canada, we're dealing with a huge euthanasia crisis, right? Mm. Wherever yeah. life is being threatened and... Um, The minds, hearts, and souls of people are being threatened by ideologies. Uh, We need to address them. So that's what this podcast is about. That's right. And um, was that a good pitch? Uju, I think I did a pretty good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Summarizing, summarizing what we're doing. (laughs) I think you you just, you absolutely got it all right there. But um, I'm just so anxious for you to explain some of these things because yes. you know you're, you're naming terms and people are not used to you said sexual orientation gender identity and some people call it soji and comprehensive sexuality education people call it cse but we're gonna have to break it down here on we this will podcast. be breaking it down you know uju when i first went to the un and i'm sure you had that same experience i yes. went there because i was told that uh, there is a, a very well orchestrated push to ensure that abortion becomes a uh, human right, a universal human right. So That's I went right. there thinking to myself, okay, I got to put on my, you know, pro-life hat, my anti-abortion hat, know my apologetics. I'm yes. going to go there and I'm going to, you know, argue my way uh, or, or just argue against why abortion is not a human right. And then, yes, abortion was talked a lot. Uh, uh, you know, everyone talked about abortion at this meeting, at this first UN meeting that I went to. But I was completely floored and shocked to hear all these other terms. And I thought to myself, well, what does education have to do with abortion, right? What does uh, uh, same-sex marriage have to do with abortion? I I wasn't prepared for that. And then when when I went there, I listened to what was happening. I realized that all these issues are connected. And there was this massive push by those, uh, you know, promoting abortion. They were also promoting this term called comprehensive sexuality education. So we're going to start with that. 
Yes. But uh, did you have that? Did you have a similar experience with you when you went for the first time? For sure. I mean, like they told me, okay, the United Nations, mind you, I had talked a bit earlier as well, an earlier episode about what I thought about the United Nations. And I went there thinking, okay, this is all great. This is where we learned about all our, you know, all through my growing up years in Nigeria, the United Nations is like this um, standard for, for all things living and human rights. So went to the UN, of course, there were all the talks about abortion that you, you alluded to, and that was a scandal in and of itself. And all these side events I was going into from one to the other, it was just, I mean, for me, it was very, very disturbing. But then I came upon the comprehensive sexuality education term at one of the UN side events, and I was also crushed by it man because one I didn't I was not prepared because I didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was about um and I I was thinking it was something that has to do with education I'm African I'm very very keen on education right because for the Africans I think we thought from when we're quite young that education is the key to getting out of poverty so of course once you hear a term that has the the, you know, the, the word education affixed to it, you are very interested in it. But then, you know, some of my pro-life uh, colleagues who were already veterans uh, at the UN were, were telling me, just be careful, because <laughs> this is not <laughs> what you think is education is, you know, CSE is really not the kind of education you think. And of course, I didn't realize that until I sat in on one of those meetings. Awful. Yeah. And, awful and you know what, you know what, for me, it was, what was very eye-opening, eye-opening is that uh, the abortion activists, uh, yeah. they were very much focused on CSE as well. So then That's I thought right. to myself, okay, well, why are these people so invested in promoting this type of education, you know, in addition to the abortion that they're promoting? So let's start breaking it down. Uh, for, the, for those of you listening who have never heard of this term, maybe some of you have already heard of it because, unfortunately, it has already made its way to your own school it's now become a thing yeah it's become a thing but uh, let's go with the who definition how about that uju yeah let's go I think right to the source that's a that's a good place to start because world health organization will think okay they're defining something about education so let's have it matt you know because i think that their definition should either uh shock us or shame us so let, let's know <laughs> what the world health organization defines as comprehensive sexuality education so uh, from the internet, <laughs> from their yeah. website, yeah. CSE, Comprehensive Sexuality Education, gives young people accurate, age-appropriate information about sexuality and their sexual and reproductive health, which is critical for their health and survival. Mm. So that's, that's, the, that's the definition. <laughs> so so my, my first question is, gives young people accurate so what is who defines what is accurate because i'm pretty exactly. sure world health organization is also a huge a supporter of abortion and a promoter of abortion that is true and um uh, a lot of the information they put out is not accurate yeah. <laughs> when it comes to life human life yeah um and then age appropriate information that's that's another thing right you know when you think of age appropriate information i know as uh, as a father Yes. I, I would often address the issue of, well, I want my kids' education to be age appropriate. That sounds right. like a very reasonable thing to ask for, right? And that's why, even in this definition, someone who may not be uh, as cynical as you and I, Uju, <laughs> might look at this and say, age, well, that's great, age appropriate. The yeah. problem with this is at that first meeting, 
okay? That first UN meeting I went to, and here's a, mm -hmm. a, a, an interesting story. Um, first of all, they are trying to define what age appropriate is, right? And yeah. it's not just like, when I think of age appropriate, I think, okay, well, usually someone who's maybe under 13, under 14, probably mm -hmm. shouldn't be learning about certain subject matter. That's right? right, yes. I was at this event uh, that was, uh, it was on sexual rights <laughs> for <laughs> for adolescents, right? Wow, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow, there was, this was this event uh, organized by the Dutch government in collaboration, uh, partnering with some other uh, agencies. And this uh, Dutch government representative uh, joked, they, she, she made this joke like, you know, conservatives, they're always accusing us, uh, sexual rights activists, I guess, they're always accusing us of teaching kids as young as four about sex. Well, you know what? We actually wait until they're at least in grade one, you know? Oh and then she goodness. made this joke and then everyone kind of laughed. Laughed and, about yeah, it. They laughed, yeah, the whole room laughed about this. And I'm thinking to myself, what what are we talking about? Why are we talking? <laughs> why are you talking yeah. about the sexuality of minors of children? Yeah, yeah, grade one, the grade first one. grade. It's I, and I know she, and she. I know she's trying to make a point. She's trying to, you know, maybe uh, uh, state that conservatives or, or parents who are concerned about this, maybe they're just uh, overreacting. Overreacting, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the truth is that room was filled with sexual rights activists. That um, is true. And they were all in on this joke. And then here I was kind of in the back <laughs> thinking <laughs> to myself, scandalized, like, what is this? Once again, am I at the United Nations? Where am I? What is this place? What are they yes. talking about? Yeah. Um, did you have any examples or any experiences like yeah. that? Did you? Like I went for an event that was organized by France, a side event that was organized by France and uh, an African country that I'm not going to name, a Francophone African country. So obviously a, an African country that was formerly or previously colonized by France. I get, I get to find out that those countries, those Francophone African countries, they love France so much and they love to collaborate with France and, and things They do have good relationships with France, but that's not really what the point is here, Matt. So they were sitting together hosting this event. So what it would look like for someone who has never been for one of these events is that you come into this conference room and then you see a high table or the main table where it's a panel of speakers. So you would have someone like the Minister for Education from France, you would have maybe the Minister for Health, then you probably have um, some sexual rights activists from a third party organization. And then you would have the African countries on the other side, you know, the Minister for Education, the Minister for Youth, the Minister for um, Science and Culture, those are the kinds of representatives. And then they, they begin to present, you know, each of the speakers would then begin to present. And the room is of course, full of people with various interests including the sexual rights activists, including some of the UN delegates, including the NGO members, and then some of us, the few of us who managed to infiltrate, you know, that we kind of suspect what will be talked about and we are there. So we're sitting at this event and it was on uh, meeting the needs. If I think that was the topic, something like meeting the needs of the uh, youth on their sexual and reproductive health. So listening to the talks, it was very shocking to me because the 
the French, uh, one of the French ministers spoke first, which is always the case because, you know, they are the higher power in that in that particular uh, dynamic of the of the relationship between France and the Francophone African country. So the French minister is busy writing out their statistics and their numbers on how many, you know, how Pre, uh, prevalent and how they've been successful in spreading the this healthy quote unquote healthy sexual culture in schools um how condoms are available to everyone who wants um contraception all their young people and mind you everything they're talking about in this event is young people they're not talking about women in families or anything they're talking about youth um as the topic alluded to so the french the French minister's talk was really, in a way, a, a, um, a success story, sort of, He, the, the, this person was sharing and giving all these great numbers, I suppose, where it was really high statistics of, of children who are able to, who have access to comprehensive sexuality education, who have access to the condoms, who have access to, to the uh, contraceptives and, and sexual advice and help and all of that away from parents. Then comes the African speaker who just sitting there as an African woman looking at this man, he, I could see on his face, shame, you know, he starts off apologizing for, for his African country and apologizing for the fact that parents have too much power over their children and the religion and the, the views in society, the prevalent views. So our numbers are still terrible. You know, we're still not there uh, and we still, we still have a long way to go. Mind you, the French government in many ways, and this happens between so many other bilateral relationships between Western countries, not just France, and their African counterparts, is the fact that they are constantly giving them funding and money for education, of which comprehensive sexuality education is part and parcel of, if not, you know, one of the top things. So when our African leaders, our ministers and cabinet members are coming through to to an event like this, they're usually very apologetic. It's almost like, you see, that funding you're giving us, we still have not been able to attain our targets because they're giving targets. It's all incentivized. And so it was just a shameful thing to watch this man you know, apologizing for the traditional views, uh, the the lack of success that is happening in that country. I could see the inferiority that he took upon himself because the, the you know the children in his country are not yet openly talking about their sexual rights and their sexual pleasure and and all whatnot. So it, for me, that was one of the CSE events that I found quite painful to listen to, because I knew that on the one side uh, was an initiator, an ideological initiator, and then on the other side sat a victim, you know, like somebody who had already decided to subordinate himself. He couldn't stand for himself. He couldn't stand for his tradition. And I kept willing this minister to say in such a, you know, on such a platform, in such a forum, oh, can I just point out, by the way, that our children at this age, we are more interested in real education or things like that. He didn't do that. So he kept submitting to, to everything that France, uh, France was saying. And at the end, of course, France was at this very superior position where they're now giving advice and saying, actually, this is how you can do it. So this is the, the sorts of things, uh, you know, the sorts of settings that we see comprehensive sexuality education and the fact that the Western, a lot of the Western initiators um, take a superior 
stance without even looking at the full implications of what they're saying is that their children, you know, are, are busy out there engaging in these very complicated and complex sexual relationships because of the sort of education they're getting. And then they dare to speak down on somebody whose children or the prevalent, you know, the prevalent culture in this society is that the children are, are kind of protected for, well, fairly long time from being exposed unnecessarily to these sorts of, of difficult life experiences, which I think, yeah, sexual, early sexual debut and things like that should qualify as, as difficult sexual experience, you know, difficult life experience for a child or an adolescent. These are things that, uh, you know, even with, with adults, people break down at, at things like, you know, times when they break up in relationships and things like that, what more you then expose your little children to, to, to it. And uh, a lot of abuse in, in societies because of these kinds of things. So it's, um, it, there's a lot of, there are a lot of UN stories, Matt, but you and I, I think we've seen it all and, and we're very much, as you mentioned earlier, we're very much jaded <laughs> and cynical. Yeah. Well, you know, this, th this example that you just gave, I've seen this happen so many times where you have almost like you have like this colonial master. Yes. Whether it's a, 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 someone from the French government or even yeah. the American, the U.S. government oh, yes. or um, yeah. uh, or the British or the, the Netherlands. British, yeah. yeah. And then you have them sharing a panel with some representatives from some African countries or, mm -hmm. a, you know, a country from uh, South America or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And then it's it becomes so clear that the people representing, uh, let's say, the global south, yes, uh, it's like they have to watch what they say because if they say the wrong thing, they'll stop getting the funding for their for all the other things they they need, right? And you exactly. have this, uh, you know, if imagine if that African uh, minister said what you wanted him to say, yeah, imagine the face on that French government official, <laughs> and I can guarantee you, within. A minute of the event ending, that person would have his phone with the finance minister back in France and saying, "We are cutting, we're cutting their funds. They are not that getting another true. penny from us, right?" And this is the whole concept of strings attached and foreign aid with strings attached. Um, yeah, it just happens so often. And uh, however, we will talk about another event that you and I organized, where we yes. had an all African panel, and that was we... not the case. That's where the that's where the panelists actually spoke the truth. Uh, but maybe we'll true. talk about that a bit later going back to this definition so we talked about uh the world uh, the who defines cse as uh, giving young people accurate age-appropriate mm -hmm. information about sexuality yeah. so again who defines what is age-appropriate who defines what's accurate and exactly what is good solid scientific information about sexuality and reproductive health that's the question who defines that who is who are who what sources are they going to because from our experience, whenever you hear any of these agencies bring up sexual and reproductive health, yeah, for the most part, that's not just about maternal health and uh, pregnancy and even healthy, you know, best sexual practices, or yeah. it's not even about uh, sexually transmitted diseases, yeah. uh, HIV, uh, these real issues. For the most part, it's this kind of umbrella term that they use to talk about abortion without actually saying abortion. That's right. Talk about birth control without actually saying birth control. And I mean, you know, 10 years ago, they would refer to these terms and, uh, you know, they would give these umbrella terms. Nowadays, I think they, they are more proud 
and they're shameless. So they do actually use the the A word, you know, they actually do talk about abortion as oh, a yeah. good thing. Uh, but so, yeah, so that is the definition that the WHO gives on CSE. So um, I remember an example, of, uh, another example from another event I went to uh, back in uh, 2015, I think. I was attending an event uh, about comprehensive sexuality education, which was being organized by uh, the UNFPA right. and um, the UN Population Fund. Right? Yeah, United Nations Population yep. Fund. Yeah, that's it. UNFPA. And one of the top executives there in that meeting was just talking about children and how they have sexual rights and how we need to empower them and empower their sexual rights. We're talking about children here, okay, folks? Children. We're not talking yeah. about adults. We're talking about children. And even with adults, there'd be some problems with that as well. We're talking about yeah. and And she then went on to just completely criticize uh, the notion of abstinence and abstinence education. Again, we're talking about children here. Yeah. So the fact that this top executive at UNFPA, one of the largest UN agencies, is just completely going to town on anyone or any educational system that still promotes abstinence only education for children that was just hugely eye-opening and i remember in that particular meeting i actually you know was bold enough to raise my hand and ask a question and he actually chose me and he asked me which is um strange they usually don't <laughs> vote for the for the white male <laughs> they usually it was just a room packed with women activists and sexual rights activists so the fact that they actually asked the guy a question was a miracle in and of itself and I just said, hey, listen, um, I, I find it deeply offensive uh, as a Christian, uh, and I played that card, as a Christian yeah. that you would, that, that you would um, completely uh, dismiss abstinence-only education as something that is wrong, it doesn't work, and kids mm -hmm. don't want it, you know? Yeah. And then, and I, I said a few other things that uh, irked her, and then she just completely just went to town, started ridic ridiculing me. And uh, yeah. and then the whole room laughed. And I felt like I was being bullied by, you know, in high school by a whole, <laughs> like by the whole football team, you know, I'm in the locker room and they're all making fun of me, <laughs> even though I never played football. But that's, that's the experience I had because yeah. I dared to say, to bring up the value of abstinence education for children. Yeah. We're talking yes. about children here. Children. That's true. So, so I, I can't believe it. And so that is really at the core what CSE is all about. Yeah, Matt, I want to point out something. So there is an actual um, manual. Oh, there are now several manuals, I suppose. But a couple of years ago, I had come across this particular manual on CSE, on Comprehensive Sexuality Education, entitled All In. So which styled itself as a Comprehensive Sexuality Education Guidelines. Um, it was approved by many of the, of the big players, UNICEF, UNFPA, UNESCO, um, World Health Organization. Now in All In, just to, to make a connection with what you talked about, the abstinence um, education uh, programs, so in this manual, there was a section or some talk about sexually transmitted diseases, which of course, talking about CSE, um, sexual, you know, sexually transmitted diseases is something that I suppose has to be addressed. Now, in uh, this particular, in this particular edition or in this particular manual, uh, thirty-three 
times they mentioned, at least by what count, that condom was the way to protect yourself from sexually transmitted diseases. But on two, compared to two occasions where they kind of mentioned abstinence. So imagine in, a, in an entire manual of comprehensive sexuality education, 33 times they actually allude to the fact that condom is your protection from sexual, sexually transmitted diseases, and then twice abstinence. So this is the kind of place where they put abstinence. And that's why I'm not surprised as to what happened to you at this event. Exactly. That's exactly the situation. And, um, yeah. you know, it's important to note as well that this happened 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So 10 years ago, if you were to ask a, uh, a parent, someone, a family in, in, even in like, let's say in the Toronto area in Canada, and you ask them about CSE and they would be like, what, what is that? You what know, comprehensive that? sexuality education. And they would be like, Oh, well, is that just regular sex? Hey, what does that even mean? <laughs> You know, yeah. that, that was 10 years ago because they weren't really exposed to what this really looks like in the classroom. And today, 10 years later, all these concepts, it's kind of like you, you see teachers colleges and you see teachers learning these things yeah. um, during their, you know, uh, training days. And they learn about these concepts because it's like they have to now implement these ideas into the classroom. And what's happened over the last 10 years I mean, we we talked about it. We 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 tried to inform our spiritual leaders or politicians that this is coming. This is coming. All these concepts are being discussed at the UN. We uh, warned them. We, we warned, warned them. them. We were warning them, and now, uh, unfortunately, they did not listen to us, and we are in a situation we are today because of that. However, there is good news because because it's gotten so bad, and because now parents are finally waking up to what is actually happening in the classroom with all this uh, very age inappropriate sex education, these comprehensive sexuality education things, um, the, the pushing of, you know, sexual orientation and gender identity in classrooms, uh, yeah. talking about gender ideology, gender fluidity, there is no gender, there's no such thing as sex, and you can be whoever you want to be, you can love whoever you want to love, all these concepts being shoved down the throats of young children in, in kindergarten, in, in grade school. The good news is parents are finally waking up to that. And yeah. now before we jump into the kind of uh, the, the, the response that we've been seeing, at least in North America, um, I want to throw it back to you, Uju. Um, it's gotten really bad here in Canada already because all right. these concepts, all these topics are now literally have been rolled out in the classrooms. Is it that bad throughout the African continent? Like from your experience over the last 10 years, what does CSC look like uh, in some of these African countries that you've been working with? Okay, Matt. So you must know, or I should tell people right away that um, parental rights is something that, as you put it in terms in the Western world, I think it's a concept that is well understood across the African continent without parents you know, handling terms like parental rights. I think your parents already know they have a right over you without knowing that there's this thing called parental rights, right? So it's it's there woven into many of the cultures that the parents have the responsibility and the right to shape or form the views and values of their own children to choose the kind of education they want and all whatnot. So when the comprehensive sexuality education um, started 
being formulated, I think, in the highest echelons of power at these international organizations back in the early noughties, the mid noughties, and the late noughties. So that's around 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, they, from the get go, they were using words that indicated that comprehensive sexuality education is meant for internationalization, you see. So they wanted it universalized. They wanted um, CSC not only in classrooms in America or Canada or United Kingdom, France, Netherlands. They wanted it being taught in remote villages where, where children are still having difficulty to access, you know, good books, computers, and, and, you know, basic learning aids. So it was very obvious with the language that we're using, with how they were terming things like international guidelines on sexuality education. That exists. Those kinds of documents exist. So, of course, as you know, uh, it, it was all rolled out towards the African continent. So in case someone thinks, I bet you this is what is just going on in the rich countries. No, it was actually packaged and rolled out to us like, okay, this is what you get. Um, and we need to see you implementing this in your schools. Um, even where you don't have library, we need to make sure that this is part of the curriculum. So. How does it look in Africa? Now, what usually happens is that there is a basic expectation that parents have for the education of their children. So when a parent is sending children to school, they are expecting that by the end of the school year or by the end of that level, child would have improved in some arithmetic, you know, you know, problem solving, grammar, uh, you know, science. They, they're expecting to get a, a well-formed, a smarter, I suppose, smarter child by the end of the year, by the end of that educational level. And now children are coming home with very strange things and very strange concepts that have been put somewhere in the middle of their learning periods of English and mathematics, you know, by, you know, in the middle of grammar and arithmetic is right there in the middle. They're doing some kind of sexuality education and parents are asking questions. And I'll tell you just from investigating just by the research that I have had to do over the years that a lot of these programs are not necessarily generated uh, in our school boards or in our in our school um, teacher training programs, they are coming directly from the Western donors. So uh, a Western country gives a large funding towards the education of children in Africa, but then they make a very specific, and if I can put it this way, diabolical request that they put this particular curriculum in there. So if we're going to give you 10 million for, you know, helping educate, helping in education in African countries. We need to see, a, you know, there has to be a target that comprehensive sexuality education is part and parcel of what is being taught. So our African parents who, of course, in some regards, even they, in some societies, not all, they have to send their children far away to school. Sometimes the children are boarding in school. So it's not as if that there is a lot of parental oversight uh, in a lot of the African countries. A lot of parents are having to grapple with this. They're having to have, having to come up and object to this. And many times you would see things like, um, you know, parents putting up some sort of um, uh, protest or, or they're, they're having a large, loud, loud outcry. 
they're going to traditional rulers, they're going to the, the churches, they're going to even the mosques in some of the Muslim parts of the African uh, continent. So these, these are things that are being uh, uh, kind of the things that are being played out in local communities as far as CSE is concerned. And at the end of the rope, when you start investigating where did the money and the curriculum come from, you will trace it all the way back to some posh office in New York or London or Amsterdam. So it's something that we are seeing all the time. And each time one program is killed or each time one program is removed, guess what? Another one comes and they usually come from very high powers. So these funders, these donors have direct access to the highest leaders of African um you know, African cabinet. So they, they are going to like the Ministry of Education, uh, they're going to the the uh, the Ministry of Health, they're going to Minister of Youth. So the kind of people that we talked about that we see at the UN, those are the people that these donors have access to. Meanwhile, the African parents don't have access to these people because these people are so high in, in society. So how do we fight this? And uh, we both parents keep raising alarm and, and keep rejecting it, but each time it comes back to show that this is a very persistent, uh, well-planned uh, program that is playing the long game. There are even people like some of the volunteers, very innocently, we would think that the volunteers from organizations like American Peace Corps who have access to children, even in the most rural parts of Africa, I have seen them online showing pictures of the, the quote-unquote fun projects that they're doing. Many of them are teaching comprehensive sexuality education. They go into, an, into a classroom in an African country. They're taking videos and pictures of them teaching children on, on how to put on condoms and, and things like that. So it's it's so painful to watch. Some of this is actually so graphic that we wouldn't even begin to talk about it, you know, considering the sensitivity of listeners. But sometimes you have to you have to be very plain about what is going on. That American Peace Corps volunteers and, and like, you know, like minded people who find their way to African countries, instead of giving children the real education, the benefit of the real education that surely they have come with, they are trying to teach our children on how to put implants into their arms. They're teaching them about contraception. They're teaching them about um, putting a condom, you know, and this is in girls schools, you know, and you see these girls, they're so shy, they're so ashamed of what is going on, and their parents are so far away in the villages, or in the cities, or in the towns, and they're, they're removed, completely removed. Meanwhile, the parents are there thinking, oh yeah, there's a white person, you know, or this western person who is coming to the school to give out talk, a talk in my children's school. They, they're feeling privileged, and when the person comes, what do they come with? They come with a bunch of condoms, and they're teaching our children uh, some of the most objectionable things. And they're telling us, oh, yeah, it's, you know, this is healthy because comprehensive sexuality education has, uh, has mandated it. Or, you know, this is what we, we have brought to you because this is where the funders are. So it's, it's really awful, Matt, and very painful. Yeah. And also, even if um, you talked about the funding, the donors, right, the, the large yeah. organizations, but also the governments who come into these countries with their big budgets for, you know, uh, we're committing 10 million for education in this country and that country. So I am back in 2017. I remember Campaign Life Coalition. We we kind of broke the news on this uh, and we, you know, we try to inform as many people as possible about it. 
Um, back then, Justin Trudeau, you know, he announced this new $650 million commitment over three years towards improving sexual and reproductive health and rights for all. Again, sexual and reproductive health and rights is just an umbrella term for yeah. abortion, for CSE, for SOGI, for all these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. But even in their, uh, like a memo that they gave to journalists, uh, yeah. they listed the things that this money would go towards okay and i have it pulled up here in front of me i'm just going to read it out the first the first mm -hmm. few lines so it says the sexual and reproductive health and rights commitment will include support for the first point comprehensive sexuality education <laughs> <laughs> right that's the first point and then you yeah. go down and it goes for uh, uh you know helping to reduce unwanted pregnancies and, and abortions and all this stuff and then it even goes down further and says this is where it becomes really diabolical this is where it becomes really diabolical, where they yeah. actually say uh, this money will go towards addressing social norms that limit mm -hmm. women's and adolescents' control over their bodies and reproductive decision-making and removing judicial and legal barriers to the fulfillment of sexual and reproductive health. Wow. So they're, they're not even shy about this anymore. They're not trying to hide yeah. it. They're yeah. saying we're giving this money to these countries for the purpose of addressing social norms so in other words yeah. removing social norms <laughs> yeah the values the traditions uh, exactly and then removing judicial and legal barriers and and i would actually also say that when it comes to barriers they view parents as a barrier that is right, right? and we've heard this at different un meetings where they talk about par parental rights how you yes. know parental rights um uh, they're you know yeah we believe in parental rights and parents have a right to their children we all know that however mm. Sexual yeah. rights are more important than parental right. rights. Sexual yeah. rights for minors, for children, for adolescents are more important. They trump parental rights. And we've heard this even in Canada at different school boards. And we've heard teachers here in Canada talk mm. and, and, and talk about these things using this type of language, right? And, you know, yeah. you mentioned, Uju, how they come in and they try to incorporate this kind of CSE, this sexual, this radical sex ed into even math programs yeah. or arithmetic oh, yeah. or yeah. you know we've we've had teachers in here in the west <laughs> literally uh, like shamelessly talk about how they try to in, you know include lgbt lgbt positive messaging into their math lessons wow they do lgbt positive lessons into you know into the science or the books that they have in their classrooms right so yeah. you see this stuff happening i mean in canada it's been happening for almost 10 years now because like we talked about earlier, this was an orchestrated, uh, you know, uh, it was planned. planned, it was planned. It was a project Absolutely. that they planned 10, 15, 20 years ago. There's a blueprint for this. Now yeah. they've been rolling it out for the last decade. Yes. And CSE. I take I it as poisoning the well, Matt. I kind of, something comes to mind, you know, I see this, you know, people need wells in the communities in African countries. People need wells, right? Because I think we take for granted in Western countries, water people don't have access to to some basic things and i think of csc as poisoning the well because that's that's where they're going with this matt that's you know, where if, they're going if you said that at the un you might be canceled for referring it. <laughs> <laughs> they would call you hateful for saying something like that and and you are uh, non-scientific you're not rooted in science and anyways <laughs> that's but that's yeah that is a that is a very good way maybe you should uh maybe we should include that term in our show notes poison in the well or just kind of describe csc as poison yeah. in the well csc otherwise known as poison poison in the in well, the well. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we had 
and former many former abortionists and i know there was this one former abortionist who was actually worked at a planned parenthood clinic in the states for many years until she then left that abortion industry and she kind of exposed the planned parenthood um uh, uh, like their, their their business plan their business model yeah. and what she said is that by giving young children or by giving adolescents and teenagers access to contraception by teaching them about you know healthy sexual practices by kind of removing the whole abstinence uh, the concept of abstinence just kind of removing that completely away and it's about you know if you love someone if you're ready if you feel ready go ahead have one partner have many partners go explore you know uh, enjoy your sexual rights so they do that then they give these kids uh, contraception and obviously, uh, children, especially teenagers, uh, they're not they don't know how to use a lot of these things. They won't no. use them properly. There's no. going to be a lot of unintended pregnancy. And then what ends up happening? That same clinic that gave them the sex ed, that gave them the pills and the condoms, they're going to say, if you're pregnant, come back to us and we'll help you fix it. That's and they true. end up going and killing their children. Right. And then it's like a cycle. And then after the abortion, they just put them back on contraception and same. they and, it, and it's like this cycle yeah. of death. It's a cycle it's a, of death. It is a cycle of death, which is the business model, which is the business model for these organizations. So the good news is that parents are waking up. And I know good. just in Canada, I don't know what, what it's like in the UK, but I mean, you know, we've all seen those YouTube videos or videos of parents that, that have gone viral uh, of parents at uh, school board meetings and parents uh, addressing their teachers or politicians, their city councilors about, you know, some parents, uh, they, they, there's these books, they, they all these horrible graphic agent appropriate oh, yeah. books that make, make their way into school libraries and classrooms. Yeah. And when a parent wants to read the book at a school board meeting, they're shut down saying, you can't read that, sir. That's inappropriate. And yet yeah. they're allowed they're allowing these books to be accessible by, you know, in school libraries by in kids. Schools, yeah. So that's par- right. Parents are waking up in Canada. We just recently had, uh, I know, Camp and Life Coalition. We organized like a national uh, Pride Walkout Day on June first, which is generally the day when ev- all the schools kind of celebrate CSE and they yeah. celebrate SOGI and yeah. and it's the, they they raise the flags. So we had, you know, in some schools. Uh, almost 75% of kids were not present in those schools because parents said, we've had Mm. enough. We're going to pull our our kids from school on that day. And then it's been like this grassroots movement has just really exploded in Canada. Like this, I would say this uh, parental rights movement has exploded in Canada where now people of all different faith communities, parents are saying enough is enough. And we're going to start walking out. We're going to start pulling our kids from school. And you cannot teach our children this kind of stuff anymore like leave our kids alone yeah. uh, you know and we don't want other adults who yes. we don't trust that's right talking to our children about sex but period. yeah about this kind of issues so but Matt, that's that's it parents are, are striking out in the uk you had mentioned so i said i said i'm going to mention this because i know i speak a lot about africa but what people might forget is that i actually live in the united kingdom we have had an uprising but a lot of the things that we see here in the uk surprisingly well i don't know whether it's surprisingly or not but it's mostly from the muslim communities and as some people might know in places like birmingham manchester leeds you have very strong uh, and huge uh, massive uh, muslim communities that are very well connected to one another so recently they actually collaborated they were some of the organized parent movements that collaborated with 
a pro-life organization here, Spock. Um, they Spock was raising objections, just like what a bit like what Campaign Life is doing in Canada, just looking at the books, um, trying to get parents organized to be able to to object to this in a very organized, intelligent way that would yield results at the end of the day. It's not just one random parent trying to do something. Most times that doesn't work because they kind of trample all over you. So Spark, the Society for Protection of Unborn Children, have taken on this mantle of doing, you know, looking into the education of children, looking at the CSC situation in the United Kingdom. And some of their biggest collaborators are the Muslim parents. And I asked my friends who work at Spark, like, what about the Catholic parents from, from the, the churches? Sometimes you're very surprised by what you see in this work, but that's, that's really what happens. And now we have had several occasions where Muslim parents went in, in a, you know, of course, in, in collaboration with other people, but they are the most obvious, the most visible people who come out uh, in, in large numbers to to object to, to some of the things that are coming out in the sexuality education programs, which by the way, yes, is also here in the UK, just like any pandemic, you know, so it's, it's it, to pandemic levels. I think what people are experiencing in many of the other parts of the Western world is playing out here in the United Kingdom because nobody's safe. Yeah, yeah, no, I think the Muslim parents have really taken charge of this issue yeah. and, and they bring out people, people show up. Like when we had, um, uh, it was uh, it was a, a, a Muslim organization uh, that started the Million Man March that took place right. just in all across Canada just a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, and you had thousands and thousands of parents. I mean, I was there standing with you know my brothers and sisters from all different faith communities, and we were all chanting the same thing: "Leave our kids alone." That's right. <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day, leave our kids alone. We yeah. do not want this type of. We don't send our kids our kids to school to be indoctrinated by this type of CSE and Soji uh, ideologies, which again, uh, you know, they're not constructed and written by parents. Yeah, You know, they're written in some boardroom in a Western nation or like in Geneva or in New York city. Right. That is true. And, and, you know, that's actually one of the things um, at the event that we, uh, that we organized a few years ago on ideological oh, yeah. colonialism, we yes. had a, Kenyan, <laughs> a, a lawyer from Kenya, who was just an amazing speaker. And that's, that's actually right. one of the things she said, she said, and speaking to, and she was speaking to hundreds of delegates and NGO representatives in the audience. Oh, yeah. And yeah, she we said, had almost 500 people at that event, Martha. Was, the hall was full. It was one of the know, bigger halls at the UN. We should probably dedicate a whole episode just to talk about that one event. I know. <laughs> <laughs> because it we've, was... we've had two events, actually, but this was the second one. I had all African speakers. I remember that because I was leading that panel. Yeah, yeah, but that, I... that, was, that was phenomenal. But Thank that, you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I going back to what she said, she said yes. that uh, sexual education or just in general, sexual education should be developed by African parents and African yes. teachers and not constructed in some boardroom in a Western nation. That's her quote. And That's I thought right. to myself that like preach sister, that was the best <laughs> truth bomb I heard because that's absolutely that's what parents want. Parents want a say in the education of their children and for yeah. the longest time we've had a say in that right we get yes. involved in school board elections we we try to elect the positive trustees we get involved we speak to our teachers but what's happened now is this this kind of complete hijacking of the education system by these CSE and soji activists yes and again it starts all the way up into the you know the teachers colleges when yeah. they're training new teachers a new generation of teachers they're training them with this type of ideology already and yeah. um 
it's pretty bad. But the good news is, like I mentioned, parents are you know are rising up, are saying no, enough is enough. Uh, the Muslims are really leading the way on this particular issue, and it actually puts a lot of Christians and Catholics to shame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just an example, uh, at a school board meeting, my own uh, school board where my kids go to school a few weeks ago, uh, this was following one of these big protests. Uh, it, was a, it was a school board meeting, and this is a Catholic school board, Uju. There were about 100 protesters, parents, who came out to this Catholic school board meeting to protest. Half of them were Muslim. And I thought to myself, God bless these individuals, <laughs> because here they are. They don't even have children in the Catholic school board system, but here they are sticking up and trying to speak up for our children in the Catholic school board. That's and then I thought, where are the Catholic parents? Where are the Christian parents? <laughs> they should be the ones doing this. But I just thought, wow, I couldn't believe it. I thought that was just uh, an amazing phenomenal. sign of solidarity. Yeah. And it just proves that, you know, I think this parental rights, this parental uprising is, is it's not going away anywhere. And it's not going away. And it's universal. It's, it's universal. It's universal because, you know, Absolutely. don't talk about her. Don't mess with her kids. That's, That's right. At the end of the day, don't mess with her kids. And now we're going to be wrapping up soon. But we also have to say that um, it's not just the parents that are saying no, but because yeah. it's become so radical at the United Nations on this particular issue. A lot of the countries in the world, they're saying no as well. That's right. So there's no consensus. Every time CSE and sexual orientation and gender identity, these kind of terms, they're trying to, uh, you know, the, 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 the activists are trying to kind of include these terms into documents and, and outcome documents. There is a lot of opposition to that. There's no consensus on this internationally. Uh, so not only parents are waking up, but a lot of governments are saying, you know what? we don't, we're not, we're not on side with this kind of stuff. And when I see other governments, what I really mean is uh, we're talking about nations in throughout Africa, uh, in South America, in the Middle East. There are a lot of countries out there who are holding the line yeah. uh, or who are finally waking up, like I mentioned, just like the parents and saying, you know what, this is, this has gone uh, too far. It's too radical. Yeah. Excellent. Matt, there was something I noticed. I know you've, you've, we've talked a lot about CSC, but sometimes when we're talking, we kind of mention SOGI and I was thinking, have we actually defined SOGI? It's just, it's just to give the acronym sexual orientation, gender identity. So if you've been hearing us talk about SOGI and uh, together with CSC, because it's very much a part of CSC, it, that's what it stands for. But yeah, yeah, Matt, I agree with everything that you've, you've said. I mean, um, I think this is the best way to conclude this episode for people not to be, uh, not to be dejected or depressed about what is going on. It's, it's good to know where the world is with something like comprehensive sexuality education, the origins around when it showed up and the fact that it's a, the long game because they have been around consistently, persistently, quietly doing their, doing their work and spreading their, their blueprint everywhere into classrooms all over the world, West Africa, you know, yeah. Latin America, wherever. They are really playing the long game and they're very insistent and persistent on it. Um, but it's for people to also have the hope that that others are waking up. And perhaps this is one area where I know there is a large um, group of parents out there from various faith backgrounds who disagree with what CSE stands for and who completely are uniting right now to make sure that children are protected once and for all. So I think as a moment, as a, just some encouragement to all you listeners out there, uh, get involved in the parental rights movement. Yes. And uh, and and just 
speak up. You have to speak up because at the end of the day, it's about our children. And that's, that's it. right. It. Okay. So, so this is amazing. So uh, should we go into our usual uh, outro? <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> All right. So, so tell people everything, where they can see us, where they, where they can find our work, how they can get in touch with us. Because I think this, we've talked a lot about a lot of loaded things in this on this episode. I want to hear from people. It would be wonderful to hear what people think of what's happening in your own corner. Yes. Um, but so give every, so give, give the details. Definitely. If you want to let us know what's happening in your own corner, if you've dealt with some pretty nasty teachers or some school boards who are trying to push this stuff, uh, send us an email, focusedonlifepodcast at gmail.com. And just like you mentioned earlier, Uju, this has been a loaded episode. So we will include uh, links to some very important resources about CSE so that you the listener can actually go on them and do your own research and look into this stuff. And then you'll realize that we're not just two crazy people (laughs) (laughs) ranting about how evil these things are. These things it's actually does, it exists. And, uh, and um, so one of the state, one of the documents we will link to is the 2018 UNESCO technical guidance on sexuality education. This is kind of like the the, the WHOs and the UN's, uh, you know, highest standard gold standard document uh, that talks about CSE. Um, and Uju, you also mentioned another document. Yeah, the All One Curriculum, which is originally by Population Council. Um, it has two parts to it. And when you go, you when anyone goes onto it, you will actually be quite startled by it because I think one of the documents is something like 297 pages and the other one is also like a hundred and something pages, Matt. And even the technical uh, gu- guidelines that you talked about by UNESCO and UNFPA and all those organizations at the UN, it's definitely more than a hundred pages. I mean, these are glossy pages, well-made very expensive looking uh, documents and anyone would see it's they're all very elaborate so I'm glad we're actually linking them in our show notes so that our listeners can go and look at it by themselves and see what's there and we really only just scratched the surface here right Uju, on this yeah, episode. absolutely yeah uh, there's so much more we can talk about and hopefully we will we will talk about this issue in in future episodes um and um yeah I think that's a wrap for today's episode so it just Excellent. reminding all of you that our website is officially up, focusonlifepodcast.com. <laughs> and you can um, uh, click on our previous episodes. Uh, we're pretty much available on all the major platforms. So uh, you could do that. Yeah. And everyone remember to um, keep focusing on the most important things. And of course, uh, keep focused on life. Thank you everyone for listening and see you in the next episode. 